Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 reads, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today praising you for the wonderful things that you have given us, for your grace, for your love, for your mercy, and for the hope that you have given us through your Son, Jesus Christ, that hope of redemption through his work on the cross that paid for our sins, Father, and his resurrection that overcame the grave, that we can look forward to eternal life in your kingdom and your presence. And Father, we pray that you would keep our minds attentive to your word this morning, that you would help us to understand what it is that you have to tell us from your word. And Father, we ask you to forgive us for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, we have this declaration that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Isaiah was prophesying at a time when there was great darkness. The nation of Israel was declining in sin. They were going further into idolatry, and as a result, the nation was falling apart. Sin, brings, sin reigns in darkness, and darkness brings evil. Evil brings suffering. That's the progression, and that's what, that's what Israel was going through at this particular time. The book of Isaiah was Isaiah's prophecies to the nation, and it's a call to the nation of Israel to repent, to repent and to trust in the Lord, to turn back to the Lord, to place their faith in the Lord, and to recenter Him in the middle of their lives and in the middle of their the middle of their culture, the middle of their existence as a nation, to once again be His people and to allow Him to be their God. While calling the people to repentance and faith, Isaiah prophesies about the Messiah and God's ultimate redemption of his people. In this one little verse here, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2, we see that the people walked in darkness. The scripture says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, that's how bad things have gotten in Israel, that they were in the land of the shadow of death. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. We see in Isaiah 9, 2 that the people walked in darkness. But those who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And upon them who dwelt in that land, upon them who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them had the light shined. And that's what I want to talk to you all about this morning is the light. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The people walked in darkness. As I mentioned, times were dark during Isaiah's day. Israel was in decline due to their spiritual decline. As they continued to worship idols, as immorality continued to become more rampant and more dominant across the land, the nation fell apart. It was split into two nations. Countries were coming. Other countries were coming and invading their land, taking their cities, taking their people captive. The, the, the worst things that could possibly happen to Israel were happening to Israel, and it was happening because they had turned their back on the Lord. And they were being overrun, and, and times were cruel, and times were evil. The people had walked in darkness. But why was the land dark? The land was dark because the people had removed themselves from God's presence. You see, darkness is not a force. Darkness is simply the absence of light. Darkness, spiritually speaking, is the absence of God. When we withdraw ourselves from God's presence, we place ourselves in darkness because darkness is the absence of light. It's the absence of God. Darkness is the absence of light. Spiritual darkness 
is the absence of God. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we find that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. We find that before God and the Holy Spirit did their constructive, and before our Lord did his constructive work on the world, it was dark. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And the first thing God says is, let there be light. And there was light. In John chapter 1 verse 5, the Bible says, The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. When Jesus came, the light of God shined into the world, and the darkness of this world could not overtake him, could not drown him out. Darkness cannot drown out light. If there is a presence of light, there is no darkness. There's no darkness in this room right now because there is a presence of light. The darkness scattered from this room the second the lights were turned on this morning. Spiritually, the presence of God drowns out all spiritual darkness. It dispels all spiritual darkness. Where man is godless, darkness rules. Evil arises. Things continually get worse, but where God turns, where, where man turns to God and man trusts God, we find that light enters in and dispels that darkness. You don't have to look very far today to see that the world is a dark place. We live in a time where man is without natural affection, where selfishness is actually seen as virtue. We call it self-care. We call it working on me. Where abuse and violence are prominent. Times are scary. You have to constantly be aware of who's around you. And who is around you that poses a threat. Am I, am I wrong? Nobody's safe anymore, are we? We're not. And we can talk all day about how bad the world is. I can talk to you today about child abuse, how rampant that is. We can talk about how crime is so bad that our government has completely given up on fighting it. The, you arrest a man for robbery, you put him in the county jail, you convict him of robbery, you turn him over to the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, they don't want to deal with it. They'll let him sit there as long as they possibly can before they come to pick him up to take him to one of their prisons. They take him to one of their prisons, their prisons are understaffed, nobody's working as a correctional officer, they're short-staffed. We're in dark times. We are in dark times, and I can go into the sin of the world. I can talk about how we are destroying truth. We are not only spiritual truth, but we are destroying visible, tangible truth that you can see all around us. We can talk about how dark the world is. That's too easy. The people that walked in darkness, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, Isaiah is not talking about the Gentiles. In Isaiah 9, 2, when he talks about the people that walked in darkness, he's not talking about the Assyrians who were invading the northern kingdom. He's not talking about the Babylonians who would come to take the southern kingdom captive. He's not talking about the Greeks or the Romans or the Egyptians. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the prophet Isaiah, he says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Who are the people that Isaiah is referring to? He's referring to the nation of Israel. He's referring to God's people. God's chosen nation, God's chosen people. The people of God, the people who called themselves by God's name, were walking in darkness. And I submit to you today that in terms of worldview, in terms of values, in terms of behavior, 
There is little difference between the people that call themselves by God's name and the heathen who reject God altogether. If you don't believe me, go on social media and do some reading and see what people who consider themselves Christians advocate, see what, they, see what worldview they line up with, and see what they promote. Those who call themselves Christians, and there are some people who want to elevate themselves above Christians because Christians are stuck in the mud, Christians are old-fashioned, so we'll just call ourselves Christ followers. Well, some of the people who call themselves Christ followers are just as selfish and worldly driven as those who declare that God does not exist. It's about me. They live as if God does not exist. When people are self-centered and not God-centered, they are living as if God does not exist. Because if you truly understood who God is, you truly understand what Jesus did for you on the cross, you truly understand the hope that we have in eternal salvation through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the hope that we have because he rose from the grave, if you truly understood that, that would be the center of your existence. That would be what it's all about. When people are driven by the idea of having the best in this life, the tangible things of this world, I want it all and I want it all now, they are living as if God does not exist. If I believe that the best source of joy that I could possibly have is more money in the bank, a bigger house, a nicer house, a nicer car, more modern technology, if I'm looking to these things to make my life better, I'm not looking to God to make my life better. I'm not looking to God to provide for me. I'm looking to the tangible things of this world, the things that this world have turned into idols. I'm living as if God does not exist. When people value this life more then they value life in heaven. They are living as if God does not exist. And we can go into all the symptoms. We can talk about the breakdown of the home. And the breakdown of the home among Christians um, is very similar to the breakdown in the home among non-Christians. We can talk about drug abuse. We can talk about anxiety. We can talk about medications. I'm not against medications. If you need them, take them, okay? I understand there's a medical concept to, to mental health. But when we find ourselves focused on the things of this world and looking to the things of this world to save us, we are acting as if God does not exist. And when we live as if God does not exist, we are walking in darkness. There was a time when Christians lived for going to heaven. That's what they lived for. I'm going to get to go to heaven one day. Look at a hymnal from the 1950s. Look at a hymnal from the 1930s. What were the songs about? When we all get to heaven. I've got a mansion over the hilltop. The, 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 the Beulah Land was, was, was a prominent hymn. In fact, I remember when I was a kid joking that our music director sang so much about heaven. He, you know, we, we would talk about what, what, how are we getting to heaven today, uh, brother music minister? Are we taking a bus or are we taking a plane today? You know, there was a time, that's, there was a time when that was our anticipation. There was a time when that was the subject of our song worship. There was a time when that was the subject of our preaching and our teaching. We were teaching on heaven. It was what Christians lived for. And it was a time when we did not enjoy the affluence that we enjoy today. When we were poorer then than we were that we are now, materially speaking. There, there was a time when people lived off the land. There was a time when you worked hard at a 40-hour-a-week job, maybe a little bit more than that. 
and that didn't purchase you as much as we have today. And, and, but we didn't mind doing that. We didn't mind working the fields. We didn't mind working the factories. We didn't mind giving up the crazy dreams of being a Hollywood superstar in, chain, in, 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 in exchange for raising a family. We didn't mind that exchange because, we're, because what we do, we do for God, and it's all going to make sense when we get to heaven. That old song, we'll talk it over in the by and by. We'll talk it over, my Lord and I. I'll ask the reason. He'll tell me why. We'll talk it over in the by and by. We're looking forward to that day when we get to see Jesus. But today the ethic is everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go today. There's a joke about a preacher that asks his congregation, everybody who wants to go to heaven, raise your hands. Everybody raise their hands except for this one little boy on the front row. And the preacher looked at the little boy on the front row. He says, well, son, don't you want to go to heaven? And the little boy says, well, yeah, preacher, but I thought you were loading a bus up right now. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go today. Why? What do we have here that is so much better than what we will receive in heaven? You say, my kids. Okay, I, I feel that. I understand that. I used to think the same way. I don't want to die until I see what my kids grow up to become. But our mission is to raise our kids in such a way that they trust the Lord and that they go to heaven. And that's going to be the eternal reunion that's going to make a difference to us. Christians today, we walk in darkness. And by that, I mean we walk as if God doesn't exist. We try to solve our own problems. We look to material things to bring us joy. We look to material things to bring us fulfillment. Uh, we look to other people to be our salvation, and we don't look to the Lord, who's the one who can make all of it happen for us. We don't look to the Lord for our provision. We don't look to the Lord for our joy. We don't look to the Lord for our salvation. We put that demand and that pressure on people and things who cannot make it. And this is walking in darkness. And walking in darkness gives way to dark behavior. It leads to politics over faith. And that's why we have seen the degradation of our political system over the past decade. Because we, the, our, our people as a culture, as a country, as a nation, we're walking in darkness. We're walking as if God doesn't exist. We can't trust God to work this out for us. This is politics. This is the real deal. We've got to handle this ourselves. And so we wind up nominating and electing ungodly people. But hey, they may be ungodly. Maybe they'll do some godly things for us. And then it doesn't work out. We wonder, how could that have happened? It must be the swamp. It must be the system. It must be the deep state. we got to work harder against the deep state. Just turn your eyes to heaven. Turn your eyes to heaven. We know where the world is headed. We know the world is headed to total darkness and total degradation until God executes his judgment, returns to this earth, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ establishes his kingdom on earth. That's where we're headed. We need to be looking forward to that and trust that he is going to bring that kingdom in and that everything that happens between now and then is setting that kingdom up and is working together for his good. When we walk in darkness and we live as if God does not exist, that leads to politics over faith. That leads to abuse over care. Parents are supposed to care for, provide for, nurture, teach, educate, lift their children up. But all too often, parents see their kids as a 
place to look for emotional validation. And that puts a burden on the kids that the kids were never meant to bear. Our children were never given to us to make our dreams come true. Our children were not given to us to make us feel loved. And so that leads to abuse. When our kids don't meet that obligation that we feel they have to make us feel better, we tend to lash out against them. That's abuse. It's abuse to demand that someone else provide you with the validation that only God was intended to give to you. It leads to abuse over care. We do the same things to our parents. and We live in a culture where people abuse their parents. Their parents become too elderly to care for themselves, so they just cast them aside. They're disposable. We have a multi-million dollar industry that makes a fortune off of this. That doesn't mean that if your mom's in a nursing home, you're a bad child. But there are people that drop mom off at the nursing home and they never see them again. That's the problem. It leads to immorality of the worst forms. I don't have to go into all that. But we know we live in a world that is sexually deviant, that is, a, that is addicted to drugs, that does not regard other people's property, a, a, a world where theft is supreme. If you don't believe me, go park your car in Fort Worth and leave your laptop in your front seat. It doesn't matter if you lock your doors or not, they'll knock the window out and take it. There's a world walking in darkness. And the problem we have with the darkness of this world is that the people who are supposed to be reflecting the light of God into this culture are not doing it. We're walking in darkness too. We're living as if God doesn't exist, as if God's not involved, as if God's not going to work things out. We're living faithless. And so the darkness exists around us too, so there is no light being reflected into the society. I could go on. But there's hope. This verse tells us, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shine. Those who walked in darkness have seen a great light. That's our hope. That's our deliverance. That's what fixes this darkness. It's the light. The word light comes from the Hebrew word or, which is a bright and shining light, much like sunrise or a daylight. So we're not looking at the light from a star or the light from a distant flashlight. We are looking at the sun coming up over the horizon. We are looking at the sun climbing to the midday sky to provide its light throughout the noon hours. This is a light that if you look at the Hebrew word, I might have said Greek earlier, that was a misspeak. The Hebrew word or attributes, it means this great shining light and that this light, according to the Hebrew word, has a connotation of a divine origin to it. So we're not merely talking about the sun rising in the east, but we're talking about this divine light that shines in the darkness, this light that is from God. Like the Apostle John said in John chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. Notice that. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not, or the darkness was not able to overtake it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. 
John chapter 1 identifies Jesus as the light of the world. The light that shines in darkness, the light that gives life to men, the light that overcomes darkness. And just in case you think that my theology is off in John chapter 1, Jesus says it himself in John chapter 8 verse 12, where he says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. This is the season we celebrate called Advent. Advent. What is that word Advent? What does that word mean? The word Advent means the arrival. That's what the word Advent means. It means that something notable, something major, something huge, something life-changing has arrived. That's what Advent means. The season of Advent, we celebrate the arrival of Christ, of Messiah, of the promised deliverer from the Old Testament, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. During Advent, the Christmas season, we celebrate his arrival. The fact that he came to earth, he fulfilled the promises of God, he went to the cross where he took upon himself the punishment for our sins, fulfilling God's promise in the Old Testament of redemption from sins. The promise in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 where he says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. That promise was fulfilled through Christ on the cross where Isaiah says, all we like sheep have turned astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all, that he will see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. That God would put an end to sin, that he would cleanse the world of sin, that he would bring in a time of everlasting habitation, everlasting blessing. That was all promised. That was all promised through Christ. And in Advent, we celebrate that those promises arrived through Jesus Christ. Why can't we say Christmas? You can say Christmas. But what we celebrate through Advent predates the Christmas traditions. We took the, Christian tr the Christmas traditions and we made them Christian. That's okay to do that. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say it's okay to have a Christmas tree. You may not think it's okay to have a Christmas tree. If it violates your conscience to have a Christmas tree, don't have a Christmas tree. But it's okay to have a Christmas tree. I read blogs every year about this time, the evils of, Christ, of Christmas and the idolatry of Christmas. The verse about the man who takes the tree into his house and cuts it in half and makes firewood out of one end and an idol out of the other, the idol that he made looked nothing like a Christmas tree. It was dirtier. Y'all can study old, old ancient fertility cults on your own time. I'm not going to do that here. Have a Christmas tree. Enjoy Christmas. But don't forget the reason we celebrate it. We celebrate it because God kept his promise to us. The world is a dark place, but there is hope, and that hope is in the light of the world. We can turn from the darkness and into the light simply by trusting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Why do you think you're going to go to heaven? Do you think it's the default place we go when we die? It is not. Heaven is where God receives his people. And his people are those who turn from the darkness to the light. His people are those who turn from sin and trusted Jesus to receive them into heaven because he gave his life on the cross for them. And you say, I've already been saved, Brother Leland. Amen. If the church returned to Jesus, we would see that light shine and we would see people redeemed. The problem is the church walks in darkness too. The church finds hope 
in the here and now. We find hope in the condition of the bank account and we lose hope when it doesn't go the right direction. We find hope in the physical, tangible things of the world. How are we doing? Do we have a good public uh, relations ministry? How is our social media doing? Are people speaking well of us? But the Bible says to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. We look to temporary earthly things to solve our problems. If the church returned to Jesus, if the church placed its faith in Jesus, if the church made as its mission and its core reason for existence glorifying the Lord and spreading his gospel, we'd see the light shine and we'd see people redeemed. If we found hope in the return of the Lord and the establishment of his kingdom, we'd find peace in him. Advent, also known as the Christmas season, also known as the holiday season, doesn't need to be a time to remember to slow down and spend with family. Well, you do need to slow down and spend time with family. But that's not what this season is for. The season is not to remind you to do that. You should already be doing that. This season should remind us to look forward to the coming of the Lord and to find hope in that. The verse goes on to say that they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. The light has shined upon all men. John chapter, nine, John chapter 1 verse 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Everyone is faced with the reality of God. And everyone is given the choice to repent or to reject. The presence of the light demands a response. Someone has turned the light on. Every morning, Jessica turns our bedroom light on. She's got to be at work at 7.30. She starts her day first. I got to be at work. It's debatable. 8 or 8.30. HR has never really told me that. I just know there's a meeting that starts at 8.35, and I've got to be there for that. Um, but Jessica starts her day earlier, so she turns the light on. And when she turns the light on, I have two options. I can wake up and start my day. Or I can ask her to turn that light back off, and I can go back to sleep. Going ahead and starting my day allows me to have quiet time with the Lord, do my daily devotional, get ready, be able to go into work without feeling rushed. If I tell her to turn the light back off, I get another 30 minutes of sleep. What does that do for me? I'm running late. I'm running behind. Traffic is awful today. Sorry I'm late. All right? We have, you know, Jessica wakes up in the morning. She turns the light on. That necessitates a decision from me. Do I accept this light and step into it or do I back away from it and hide from it? That's the decision. In John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, this is the condemnation, this is Jesus talking, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. The light that shines gives us hope for deliverance. The question is, do we want the deliverance? Some people don't want deliverance. Do you know that? Some people don't want to be delivered from their sin because they love their sin. Jesus said the condemnation that light has come into the world 
but that men love darkness rather than light. You know, people love their sin more than they love God. I was listening to the radio one day. This is 25 years ago. I was a teenager listening to this rock radio station. They had this after hours program that was kind of a shock jock, say wild things on the radio, get people's attention, that sort of thing. And I was listening to that show. And this preacher called into the show host and starts to try to witness to the show host. Jesus loves you. If you'll just turn from your sins and your wicked ways and just accept him, he will accept you as you are. He will redeem you. He'll transform you. You can still be a radio disc jockey. You can still be a great radio disc jockey. But Jesus will redeem you and he'll transform you to another, a totally different person. And the show host goes, yeah, but I like the wild women. I like the drugs and I like the booze. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. This guy loved it. And this is probably a setup. I know how radio works. 25 years in the business. Okay. But... The, the, the premise that's being put forth here is that this man was offered redemption and salvation, but he would rather keep his sin. Men love sin rather than God. They love their lifestyle rather than healing. So they avoided the light and sought out the darkness to avoid being corrected. But those who love the Lord come to the light. It's their hope. It's their deliverance. And their works are revealed to be wrought in God. In God. They do truth. They do good. And God is the source of their truth and goodness. So that brings us back to the fundamental question. What are you looking for? Are you looking for the light? Or are you looking for a hiding place in the darkness? You know, when you're sitting in darkness, sometimes you don't quite realize you're sitting in darkness. The lights in my house don't work too well. It's, it's, it's kind of dark in there. Now, if you've been sitting in my house all day, you don't think of this being dark. It just seems normal to you. But if it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a sunny day and you step out of my front door into the light, that sun's pretty bright. Hurt your eyes a little bit. You don't realize how dark it is inside till you step out into the light. And for a lot of us, we're sitting in darkness and we don't realize we're sitting in darkness. It feels normal. It's just life. It's what it is. And so we live life in the darkness. It's just normal. That's just how people treat other people. That's just how people treat me. That's just who I am. That's just how I treat other people. And we live life. We may say we believe in God. We may share praises to God on Facebook. But when it comes to our life and what we actually do and the decisions that we actually make, we're walking in darkness. I'm not accusing you of being a drug addict or doing what we call the bad sins. But when your day-to-day -day operation, your day-to-day -day life functions as if God does not exist, that's the absence of light. You're in darkness. But that light has shined. And God has made himself known to you. And that light that shines is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you can step out of that darkness into that light simply by trusting him day to day and centering your life on him, giving real purpose to what you do in the day to day. And you're able to step into the light. I think it's fitting that we have Christmas lights for Christmas. You can go through neighborhoods in some towns and it's lit up like it's daytime because they, uh, have y'all ever been to Marshall, Texas during Christmas time? 
That entire city's lit up like an airport. I'm surprised a 747 doesn't land on Main Street at some point. You can step into the light. And that light is that deliverance in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so the plea that I put before y'all this Christmas season is to A, recenter your personal light, your personal life on God. Step into the light. Pray daily. Set aside that time and pray daily. I don't have time. Yes, you do. Just have to rearrange it a little bit. It's hard to do. I get that. A financial advisor will tell you that you, that you pay yourself first. You invest in your 401k before you pay your bills. A doctor will tell you that you take care of yourself first. You exercise and you put exercise time into your routine every day. I'm telling you as a spiritual leader that you put time for God in your day as well and make that a priority. Pray. Pray the way we've been talking about on Sunday mornings. Use that model prayer as an outline and follow that formula. Read the Bible. Even if all you do is open the Bible app and look at the verse of the day and spend about two or three minutes pondering that verse of the day, you've spent time in the Word. I'm not telling you to read a chapter a day and I'm not telling you you have to read the 119th Psalm before, before lunchtime. Just open your Bible app, the YouVersion app. It's free. Open it up. Look at the verse of the day. Ponder that for a couple of minutes. Pray to the Lord. And then trust Him. With the challenges of your day, trust the Lord. Trust Him to take care of you. Trust Him to work it out. And whatever comes into your day, trust that it's going to be worked for good, even if it does not feel good. It's going to be worked together for your good. Just trust the Lord. Enter into his light. He didn't redeem you just to toss you aside and let you struggle. He redeemed you to transform you, to receive you into his presence, where he's going to greet you with a smile. And he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let us stand.